Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. Hello, Ivy Church. Hello, Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Welcome to our next one in the series where we've been looking at BCJCAD. We've been looking at following Peter as he's following Jesus, as he's going to the cross and to the empty tomb and beyond because Peter's story didn't uh, finish. It's actually got way more that we can still learn from looking at the life of Peter through the ups and downs of his faith as he followed Jesus Christ, as he became a disciple. Actually, he became an apostle, which means a sent out one for Jesus. Jesus called Peter together with a group of others and he said, you're going to come to me and you're going to go for me. And that word, uh, the apostle word literally does mean sent one, the sent one, which is what we get missionary from. What we've done with that is that we've made it into being a particular class of people. We said, oh, these are missionaries who are going to go to the ends of the earth somewhere and tell people about Jesus. But while we appreciate there are such people who end up with that kind of call on their lives, We need to remember that Jesus just calls and sends everybody. He calls and sends ordinary people. He didn't pick those group of people because of anything that was in them, but he used them because of what he is going to put inside of them. He's going to put his Holy Spirit inside of them to be able to use them and transform the world. So I'd like you to get your Bible open and have a look at Acts chapter 1. And uh, so after the Gospels, you've got Matthew, Mark and Luke and John, and then you're in Acts. And it's, people have talked about the Acts of the Apostles, but actually it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit at work in the Holy Church. These are the things that, that the Holy Spirit is doing that we can learn about. And we're going to be following through a little bit in that just in, uh, in the next few weeks. So Acts chapter 1. Um, it's, it's written by Luke, who, uh, who wrote the, the Gospel of Luke. And then he starts out by saying, in my former book, Theophilus, which basically means lover of God, so we don't know whether this was a specific person he's writing to, or he's saying, I'm writing to you as somebody who loves God. In my former book, the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So it's like that was just the beginning in the Gospel of Luke. And he was very specific about the things that he wrote. Luke was a doctor. Luke was very interested in healing miracles. He wrote specifically a lot about them. He was very methodical in terms of what he did. He made sure that he was checking his sources, making sure that everything that he said happened, happened. So, began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. We're going to get there soon. He's going to describe what happened. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So Jesus had been with these men for for three years, uh, together with some women who supported Jesus on his ministry, together with some family members and men and women who came along for the journey. There were 70 at some point or 72 that he sent out on mission. There were times when there would be hundreds of them gathering together and there were times when he would take Uh, just 12 of them who were the apostles and even among the 12 there were three that went into certain places Peter, James and John who went and saw things that others hadn't seen after his suffering after the cross so this is now we've gone BC, JC this is now AD after the suffering on the cross that we, we remember on Good Friday 
He showed himself to these men and gave them convincing proofs that he was, many convincing proofs that he was alive. He like proved without doubt uh, that he's actually alive. He kept speaking to them, eating with them, sharing with them. So they were convinced. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. So this is now 40 days is where we're up to after Easter Sunday. You just heard about how he appeared to Peter and and the other guys and restored Peter back into fellowship. How he he said uh, to Peter that I want you to feed my sheep and feed my lambs. And he spoke about the kingdom of God. So he's explaining to them all the way through things that the Bible had taught about him that they hadn't seen, that nobody had seen, but he came to fulfil. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, because Jesus liked to eat, he liked to gather them round and do a lot of things over food and to build community in those ways, he gave them this command. So this is not um, a, you know, he's given them some instructions, he's given them some ideas and some things, but now this is a command. So we need to see this as a command to them. It's a command to us and we're meant to do what Jesus said. He said to them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait. How good are you at waiting? How good are we at waiting? Wait. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my Father promised. And what he's going to talk about is the Holy Spirit. And in Ephesians, the Holy Spirit is called the, the deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And the word for that there is arabo, and it's the engagement ring in modern day Greek. It's, it's the idea that you've been promised to God and God's got a promise and he's got a gift for you. So you just need to wait for the gift. Some, I'm not good at waiting a lot of the time. Wait for the gift the Father promised which you have heard me speak about. So Jesus has been telling them about the Holy Spirit. They still don't get it. They still don't know what's going to, they don't get it because they haven't got him yet. And the Holy Spirit is not the power. He's not just a force. He's not impersonal. He is a person. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to go to the Father. It's better for for you that I go because then the Holy Spirit is going to come to be with you forever. Four, John baptised with water, but in a few days you'll be baptised with the Holy Spirit. If you've not been baptised with water, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to be baptised with, with water. You need to be, and, that, and it's, you know, it's great for many people are, are immersed in that. The word baptizo means immersed, fully, soaked. You need to be soaked in water as a sign of, of, of a new life. But then he says, you will be baptised immersed, soaked with the Holy Spirit. The idea is what Jesus wants us to, to go around is to be so full of the Holy Spirit, to be so soaked in the Holy Spirit wherever we go. It's, like the, it's just like we are living an immersed life. We, we're immersed in God wherever we go. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Because that's all they're bothered about. They think that Jesus, if he, Jesus is, is this conquering messianic king and that even now they're still hoping and thinking that maybe he's going to come and, and throw the Romans out in their day and that he's going to uh, overturn the Roman rulers and he's going to kick out all the false religious leaders who've just been you know, crucified him. And they're waiting for him to move in power in that way. Especially when they hear the word power, they're like thinking, oh, well, this is amazing. We're gonna, you know, he's going to talk about power and, and they want to know all about that. And if, you, if you've had a chance to listen to the recent teaching I've done about Jesus' second coming and his, his, uh, his, uh, what happens when he comes again, 
then you'll know that this is a very key passage right here because it's in terms of their expectations. They have their expectations about what God is going to do, but God has got his own expectations about what God's going to do. And that's more important than our expectations or our plans. So they're saying, oh, like, now are you going to come? Are you going to get Pontius Pilate and Herod and deal with all of them? And he said, you know what? It's not for you to know the times or the dates, the times or the seasons the Father has set by his own authority. And even now, people are still trying to make plans and ideas based upon, is, is Jesus going to come back? Is he going to come and, and do what he's doing? Uh, you know, and they're looking at what's going on in the world. And yes, we pray about conflicts in the world and wars and rumours of wars and diseases and all those kind of things. And people are trying to piece that together and say, oh, does that mean that, you know, is this person the Antichrist and all that? And Jesus says, you're not going to be able to figure that out by, by yourself. It's not for you to know that. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Have you been powerless right now? Holy Spirit wants to come on you. Holy Spirit wants to be in you. He is not just power, but he will give you power. As you get to know the Holy Spirit, as you wake up in the morning and say, come Holy Spirit, welcome Holy Spirit, you're going to receive power to live a different kind of life than you lived before. And as a result of that, he says, and you will be my witnesses. That word witness is martyrio. It, it, it's what we get martyr from. Because for many of these men, in fact, for these, the, 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 some of the people who are going to be named here, it literally meant their death that they would go from there and tell people about Jesus. And they would be executed. They would be uh, crucified. They would be exiled. They would go through all kinds of things for the for, because they simply would not deny what they knew was true, what they had seen and heard and touched, that they knew that Jesus Christ was alive again. And nothing will stop them from, from telling other people what they have seen and heard and known. When I was in the police, that's what the definition of a witness was. It's just somebody who comes along and says, this is what I've seen and this is what I've heard. You're not trying to prove it to everybody else. You're not trying to be the prosecuting attorney that makes somebody be convinced. But you know, everybody watching this now, if you know Jesus Christ, you can tell somebody about what you've seen, what you've heard, the things that you know about what God has done in your life. That's why we talk about this, this BCJCAD idea. You, have, you, have you learned yet? Have you practiced yet being able to tell your story, if you have one, and if not, you can have one today, of how, what your life was like before Christ, what your life is like, and how you met Jesus Christ and he came to you, and what's the difference that that is making in you right now. We need to get good at practicing that because when we do that, when we are witnesses, other people get the same opportunity. And then he says where you're going to witness he starts off, he says, you're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is just where you are right now. You're going to be a witness in Jerusalem. So where are you right now? You're not in Jerusalem, probably watching this, but you're, you are where God has put you so that people around you can connect with you. So you start where you are, in other words, is what Jesus is saying. If you're going to be a witness, start where you are. You don't have to go and be a missionary just yet and, and wait until that happens and have some call. You know, these are people who are, this is people close by who I know. That's who this is. It could be family members. We could be praying for them. We have Festival Manchester coming up very soon now. Uh, download the Oikos app and start to pray for the streets around you because, because this is your Judea. This is the, the you know, you, you could, 
You can go on prayer walks around your neighbourhood, around your, your area. This is people that you might have a relationship with. Uh, it may be people that you know at the gym a little bit. It could be friends or colleagues that we can be witnesses in. But we've got to pray for these areas and pray for people and start to pray for them that they're going to come to know Jesus Christ. And also pray that you'll receive power and that you'll have the Holy Spirit to be able to be bold and speak about him to other people. And then... Um, he says, so, so this is people that you, you know really well, perhaps, in Jerusalem. These are people who are close to you, family members. And then these are people that you have a relationship with of some kind, is, is what would be Judea. That's what that represents. And, and then he says in, in Samaria as well, he says that you're going to go and be my witnesses in Samaria. And that is people that you have a relationship with. It's just not a very good one. It's people perhaps who you need to forgive. It's people who've hurt you. You need to be praying for them too. Maybe God's been working on their life too and, and perhaps you could invite them to come along to one of the events at Festival Manchester. Perhaps you could say as a, as a kind of a, a way back, maybe no, not, not to say, hey, I don't really like you, um, but God's told me I've got to invite you to something. That probably isn't going to work. <laughs> but if you can, if maybe there's somebody right now that you know, actually I need to build a bridge and get over it. I need to um, have that person and, and welcome them back uh, in some way so that they can then find Jesus. And I need to forgive them because he's forgiven me. So this is, you know, people that we, we the, the, these are sort of areas. And you're going to need the Holy Spirit's power to be able to do that. We can't do these things naturally. And then finally, I'm not even going to write it. He says, and you'll be my witnesses then in the ends of the earth. That's like, the, there's no limits on this. You know, there's people that are coming to this city from the ends of the earth already. We don't even have to go very far. This, uh, as we're doing these things on Sunday, everything that we're doing online is going out to the ends of the earth and we're connecting with people every week in different parts of the earth. The, the geographical boundaries have gone and don't really matter. But we can pray for people and invite them to come to know Jesus. And, uh, you know, we have... We're praying for people at refugees. We're, we've got the internet kind of ministry going on right now. Um, we have, uh, you know, international people who are coming to our city of Manchester all the time who are waiting for these connections. So, Jesus is saying, wait. I read an interesting um, stat about, you know, when people who were Christians, when they were asked, how did they first get connected? How did they come to church? Um, and this uh, survey said this, 1% come because they were visited by Christians. Somebody went and kind of knocked on the door perhaps. Doesn't happen very often. Um, we do have Nick Duffy and other people in the, in the city who go and do that. Maybe it's something God's calling us to do more. 2% come because of the church programme, because they maybe it's a holiday club or you know, a, a lunch for, for uh, senior citizens or a toddler group or whatever. 2% people would say that was my, the way that I, that was my way in. 3% because of bereavement, because the church cared for them when they lost somebody. 3% come because of Sunday school. Now I think we're going to have a lot more than that because we have amazing children's work here at Ivy. 6% walk through the door because they see some publicity. So obviously we want to do those external things well. It's important for us to do that. 8% come because of personal contact they've had with the minister or church staff. 8%. That's not many when you, who've you know, talked to somebody like me. I can't do it all. I, can't, I certainly can't do, I don't want to do it all. 77% said that they came because a friend or relative invited them. Mostly it's going to be people here. 
that are going to come to know Jesus that we need to be praying for. So I'm encouraging you in the run-up to Festival Manchester, pray like never before I am, for opportunities, friends and neighbours to be able to tell them, why don't you just come along to this fantastic event where there's going to be a brilliant day and there's going to be loads of fun and in the middle of that they're going to have clear opportunities to come to meet Jesus. So, it says after this, he was taken up from their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Verse 10, they were looking up intently into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taking you into, he from, into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. It's like, he says to them, why are you just standing around here? Why don't you do what he said? You know, you, you get to Jerusalem. Go and do what he said and wait in Jerusalem. They're like standing around waiting for Jesus to come back. They're waiting for Jesus to do it. I think the church often is like that. We're standing around, looking up to heaven, waiting for Jesus to do it. And Jesus is like, hello, I want, I've got some things I want you to do. Go and do what I told you to do. That's all we've got to do. Go and do what Jesus tells us to do. So the angels come and they say, you know, he's going to come back. He will come back. You've just been told you don't have to know the times and the dates of when it's going to happen. Just live ready for that. Be, live ready for that when it happens. But in the meantime, you know, just expect, live waiting as if it could be tomorrow. You know, it really could be today that Jesus comes back because he's going to come back in the same way as he went, which means it's going to be visible. It means it's going to be physical. It means it's going to be unexpected and it's going to be sudden. But nobody's going to go, aha, I predicted this. I knew Jesus would come back today. He, nobody's going to say that. But we can live every day as if he's going to come tomorrow or as if he's going to come today and be ready for that. So it says that they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. That's where they were. That's where Jesus left them. The Sabbath walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying, back to the upper room. And those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas, son of James. Not Judas Iscariot. We know that he is the one who betrayed Jesus and he'd committed suicide. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women. If you've got your Bible, underline that. So you've got all the men named here, but there's these other things, these other strange creatures there called women. And they're there too, probably doing a lot of the stuff that needs to be done. And Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brother. So Jesus' family, if you like, are there too. In those days, no, hang on, let's just pause a moment. Um, that's what they're doing now what Jesus told them, wait, just wait, just trust me, I'm going to do something, there's a promise coming, there's a gift coming, I've got a great, I've got a gift lined up ready for you, just wait, wait and you're going to see, so the men and the women, wait, and wait, and pray, and it turns out it's 10 days, we know something about Peter, we've been seeing it in this series over and over again, what's Peter like? Jesus says something or does something amazing. Gives an instruction, gives, an in, gives, an, uh, gives some teaching. What does Peter do? Stands up and says something daft. That's what he does. So, guess what happens next? In those days, Peter stood up. Now, when that happens, the music should sort of change in our brains. We should sort of kind of go... Da, 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 da. We know something's going to happen here. Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. So there's 120 people there, men and women. 
These are all people who've been close to Jesus, people who've been following Jesus, who, you know, they weren't all with him there on the mountain necessarily, but, but they've, they've all come down. He's just spoken to these apostles, but then he says this, and this is the, verse 16, and said, brothers, hmm, were, were these other people there with like, you know, who, who didn't look like brothers? Were there like women there? Why is he just speaking to the brothers? Brothers. The scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. And then he describes what happened to Judas and how he killed himself. For, said Peter, it's written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. I think what's been happening is Peter's been like, kind of sitting there, and he's like me, he can't just sit and wait, he's got to do something. So he's, he's looking through his Bible, and he's looking through Psalms, and then he kind of picks a couple of verses. Oh, there's one here that says, may his place be deserted, let no, there be no one there to dwell in it. Um, oh, maybe that's about Judas. He's like that. And well, if that's the case, what do we do then? And then he's skimming through. Lord, give me a word, give me a word. Oh, here, in, here in this psalm, in Psalm 109 verse 8, I found one completely out of context. Here's the verse. May another take his place of leadership. We need to get another apostle because there were, there's like the, we haven't got the full team. This is like, this needs 12 of us to be sent ones. We've got to have 12 and we've only got 11. So we're missing one. We only, we're missing one. So we need to get another one to take Judas's place of leadership. Therefore, he said, it is necessary. Says who? Says who, Peter? Did Jesus say it's necessary to do this? To choose one of the men? Did Jesus say that? Didn't he send as the first apostle of the resurrection? Did he not send a woman who was mentioned here already in the passage, I think, no, she's not mentioned directly, but she's got to be there, Mary Magdalene. Wasn't she the one who came and told you, first of all, Peter, that Jesus is alive and you really didn't believe her, together with all the other times you didn't believe the women? Therefore, it's necessary to choose one of the men. You've got to have a beard. It's not, you know, that's a qualification for this ministry. You need to have a beard um, and, you know, substantial leg hair and... You know, these, somebody who's been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Now, who Jesus said had to be witnesses? Everyone, all of us. What does Peter say? We need one more witness. That's what we need, one more witness. And so, what did they do? They proposed two men. Two men. Um, you know, out of 120, well, there's actually 65 women. Rule them out. Then there's you lot. Great. Okay, stand up, line up. Uh, who's good at football? Whatever. Da -da -dum -dum -dum. All right, you two. Step forward. Yeah, we like you. Okay, two blokes. Great. Um, so, what's your name? Your name is Joseph, called Barsabas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed. I wonder if they prayed about it before whether they've even done this. But now they pray. And this is what they pray. Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen. You know what? He's chosen both. He's chosen us all. He's already told us that he's chosen us all. Everybody's sent. 
Everybody is meant to be. This is what about, about in, in, in the creed we say that we believe in one holy apostolic church. The whole church is meant to be a sent church. We're all meant to be sent. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots. And basically that means they, they tossed a coin. They put Matthias' name on one, uh, on, on one rock, uh, perhaps, and uh, Barsabas' name on another, put them in a jar, shake it up, and whichever stone falls out is going to be the one. It's like, when we don't wait, we do stupid stuff. We do stuff, we make stuff up in churches. Because we can't wait, because we want a particular, uh, we think it should be, the church needs to be constituted in this particular way, and so we have to have that. But you know what? Jesus, a lot of the stuff that we do in church, God's not all that bothered about. Loads of stuff that we make really important about different committees and who gets to be on this and who gets to be on that and who gets to lead. God's really a lot less interested in the who gets to lead question than we are. He's very interested in the who's going to serve question. And, he, and who's going to go and do what I say? And who's not just going to go and make stuff up that they think that w- how it should be constituted? And, you know, maybe Peter's thinking, well, there's supposed to be 12 tribes of Israel and we represent them, so we need another one and all that. But when we don't listen and wait, we end up very often just doing stuff that we think matters, that God really isn't fussed about. And I'm not saying, um, you know, it says, then they cast lots and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. But do you know what? I don't, I mean, when we get to heaven, I don't want to have an argument with Matthias over this, but we never hear anything more about Matthias from that moment on. Some people say that he went to Turkey and spread the gospel and that he himself was crucified and, and you know, but as did many of the others. Many others in that room would have gone and told about Jesus and, and died as they told of the living one to invite other people to come and know him forever. So I just want to pause there and ask you the question. First of all, a couple of questions. Number one, how are you contributing to the figures of people coming to know Jesus? I talked about those statistics about how most people are going to come because somebody invites them to come to know him. Um, Who are you praying for? Who are you ready to tell the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus died and rose again and that the difference that he's made in your life and tell his story and tell your story. Is there anybody that's going to be in heaven as a result of you pointing the way, being a signpost, being a witness that points to him? And if not, why ask him today to do that? And you're kind of going to go, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. Well, Jesus said you receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So just say, Lord, as we're standing here, I'm, I'm, I'm praying, Lord, give me the power that comes from that relationship with you, with the Holy Spirit. And if you've never done that, just here's what we do. Let's just, wherever you are, if you're able to stand, why don't you stand up right now and put your hands out. We need to get used to waiting. I just want to invite you to stand there, hands open, in a sign of openness to God. Maybe you, whether you're watching us at home, wherever you are, Lord, just say, I need to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I need the power that comes from on high. I know that comes from a relationship with you via the Holy Spirit. So I, I'm sorry for everything that I've done wrong. Sorry for the ways that at times when I've, because of my impatience, just gone and, and done stuff that, I, that you didn't ask me to do. And at the same time, I'm sorry that because of that, I didn't do what you asked me to do. I didn't wait for you to tell me what to do. And whether or not Peter got this right or wrong isn't the end. In the end, that's what's really important. What matters, Lord, is that, thank you, that you can make even the mistakes that we make into something glorious for you. 
but we turn away from everything that we know to be wrong. We ask for your help and we say now, please come. Holy Spirit, fill us, fill me so that I can be your witness wherever I go in your name. I just want to encourage you not to rush on from this, but to take a little bit of time now, just waiting on the Holy Spirit. And you know what? He always comes. Hi, I'm Anthony Delaney. I'd love to welcome you to Ivy Church. Do check out the website, click on a few buttons, look at some previous teaching and some of the other things that we've been involved with. And why not plan to join us soon at one of our locations? Join a grow group, do the alpha course and figure out for yourself what it is that Christians believe. Or if you've got anything we can pray about, be in touch, press the contact button so that you can email us, let us know about you and how we hope you can be part of us. Come and join us at Ivy Church.